This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Derek on the line. Hey, Derek, how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you? I am great. Uh, I love your bio because you said when you grew up, you wanted to be a rock star. And then you decided to go in a completely different direction and you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, you've got a ton of best-selling books. You've written for Forbes, Entrepreneur, Success, you know, all the big ones. And and then you said, okay, let's dive into NLP and and everything else on there and copywriting and uh, digital marketing. It's one of those things where you're going, what can I do to impact the world that's completely different than what I'm doing right now? And it seems like that you've done that. So congratulations on taking the initiative to do all that stuff because that's not stuff that necessarily just falls in your lap and you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to you know, work on NLP. Now that's something you obviously chose to do. So congratulations on all of that. Yeah. Thank you. And it's, it's funny because it seems like it's so many different things and I'm, I'm sitting here looking back at it. And, and if anyone listening can relate of being the creative type where it's like, so many, like, what do I put on my business card? I have 17 different uh, things I could, I could say. Uh, but I, I look at it and I go, you know, actually there's a lot from music in the music background that carries over. And I go, you know, at the end of the day, I'm uh, creating, I'm a creator. So whether I'm composing music, whether I'm writing, whether I'm speaking, and I look at it and I go, actually, it wasn't totally starting from scratch with these things you can actually take your background, whatever your background is and incorporate it into what you're doing now. That's what I found working with a lot of different people. And I, I wasn't really conscious that's what I was doing at the time, but looking back, I go, oh yeah, I was taking a lot of the concepts I've learned from music, for instance, and applying that to the creative process uh, with writing is just one example. Thing, you know, in, in writing you know, books, for example, you know, I've published a few myself and you know, that takes a lot of time and effort and, and discipline. And what you know, what I'll talk to you about today specifically is Productivity, you know, when you are a creative person like yourself, oftentimes we can, you know, go off in 17 different directions. You know, how do we remain productive? You know, how do we impact our productivity in ourselves? You know, so if we're working for clients or doing a speech or anything like this, you know, we have to be productive in what we do. But when it's us working on ourselves and doing things and growing, you know, what are some techniques that you found successful in improving your own productivity and the productivity of others? Well, what you brought up is a, a great uh, thing to recognize, and that is for many people, uh, this is true for myself and, and a lot of other people I've noticed, you might be more productive when you're working for someone else. You know, someone gives you a project or if you're at a job and they say, hey, we need this done by such and such time. There's like that built in accountability and, and someone's counting on you or people are counting on you or like <laughs> I got to do this to get a, you know, a paycheck that's coming in. When it's my own business and working for myself uh, and uh, again, noticing a lot of um entrepreneurs who work for themselves, it is a challenge because there isn't that built-in external accountability. So there's a number of tactics, but I mean, I pretty much just gave away uh, the first one here. And that is whenever you can create some sort of environment or system to hold yourself accountable. So for instance, when, if you talk about writing a book or, you know, it could be any sort of project, I I would go uh, at times to friends and say, Hey, if I don't get this done, if I don't get this chapter done, if I don't get XYZ goal done that I have in the next two weeks, I'm going to pay you each 20 bucks. So as part of 
mastermind groups where I did that uh, at one point in time. And, and so you actually got to set up the system or set up the environment for yourself if that's how you work best uh, in order to, uh, to, in a sense, keep yourself accountable. And I, I'd invite you to, you know, like anyone listening, don't, doesn't have to be money. Like if you're like, well, I don't know if offering to pay people money would do it for me. Okay. The principle behind it though, is that you have something external to yourself if that's where you tend to um, follow through on. And if you take an even bigger step back and just go, where are the times in my life? When have I been most productive? Right. And so when you look back, you go, what was it about those times that I was able to follow through? And then you can go, what, okay, how can I apply this to whatever I'm, I'm working on, on now? So for instance, one of those things I could just mention for myself was just, okay, if I have people counting on me. And so a lot of times nowadays, what I'll do is uh, like, I can be incredibly unproductive. Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself a naturally type A person. So a lot of what I've learned has just, a lot of these strategies I've just developed out of necessity uh, would be like, I'm going to uh, annou make an announcement to my audience, you know, people that I coach, people that are on my email list and say, Hey, I'm doing a new training in, uh, you know, two weeks, you know, come, come join right or i'm going to give a, a talk or i'm going to do something for them i'm going to do a webinar i'm going to do a workshop and i just throw the invite out there you know before i have it totally ready and i know okay once i've invited people or even if i've sold something in advance like hey i'm going to pre-sell this this training course or this book once i do that i now have people that i know are counting on me and depending on me to show up and deliver and that forces me so to speak to go okay now i'm going to get this done so that's one way of doing it. And then there's a few other strategies you can get into uh, unless you want to dive deeper uh, on that aspect. Oh, yeah, we definitely you know, you can want to take a little bit deeper look in that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. And the if you're working for somebody else, there's those deadlines you're like, okay, I need to get this done. But if it's yourself and you're like, okay, I need to revisit my website and redo that or I got to get those blog posts out or oh, I got to edit those podcast interviews or I got to write that you know, next chapter, next few chapters in the new book. If you're doing it, especially if you work remotely or work from home or home office, there's all those temptations of, oh, well, you know, there's, there's also Netflix or there's also, I could go for a walk or to go to the gym. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You, you should take care of yourself, but we come up with all of these things that we would rather do and we're not holding ourselves accountable. So self-accountability is a crucial, crucial component to this. Yeah. And what I, what I'd invite anyone listening to this think about like projects or something that you can do that encompasses the things that you that you want to get done so here's an example uh, i remember hearing this from uh, a mentor who i learned the dream coaching process from marcia weeder uh who was uh, jack canfield's coach and she talked about i think she signed up to do a speech and maybe it was in spanish or something like that so like okay i'm gonna go give a speech in spanish and what that's gonna do is it's gonna force me to really work on my Spanish speaking skills. So I also look at that and I go, the times where I tend to get things done, if I say, okay, I'm just going to update my website for the sake of updating my website, because I kind of know I need to do it or whatever, I can just, I can keep putting it off. But if I have something like, okay, I'm going to go on a podcast and I'm going to invite people to back to my website. Okay. Well now I got to get it updated because there's some higher purpose to it. So a lot of times if, if you're not motivated to do something is because you don't have the purpose or you don't have a big enough why uh, for doing it. So that's something 
like working with my uh, coaching clients, she was talking about writing emails and, and blogs and stuff. Like, I know I kind of need to do that, but I'm just not that motivated. And it's like, well, what's the purpose of, of writing them? She's like, well, I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I just kind of feel like it's the thing I should do. Well, obviously that wasn't very motivating for her. So when she got back in touch with, you know, a few reasons why she wanted to do it. One is because um, she let go of the outcome. Like, oh, it's not about like, I have to get a, a client every time I send an email. This is a way for me to uh, actually help myself grow. Like when I write my thoughts, kind of almost a journal in email format, it helps me process and grow myself. And it actually becomes fun. And so when she did that, now all of a sudden she had fun writing the emails and then people started responding to her email saying, I love your emails. How can I hire you as a coach? Because she was a coach. It's getting in touch with the purpose behind doing something or creating a purpose for yourself. That'll drive your motivation. And sometimes it's even just creating multiple purposes uh, for doing something. So for instance, uh, for me, I know if I, if I can teach and I can make money, I'm going to be motivated to do it. If I can combine those two things together, that'll, that'll motivate me. So if I can create workshops or give talks or give presentations on something, that'll help me get organized. It'll help me. I'll have fun teaching other people something. And when there's a financial incentive, it's like all of those things come together. And now I'm more motivated versus if it were just to make money or just to teach, but I'm doing it for free or just this or that or the other. Uh, so all this is to say uh, for you listening, like think about different reasons for doing something that you can combine together, something I call purpose compounding, where you have a number of reasons for doing something and it becomes greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, to find that though, think about the times you're most motivated, you're most inspired to do something. And you'll probably find that there's, there's maybe multiple things that went into that, multiple driving factors uh, maybe, you know, if you're like me, it could be because you were teaching and you were getting to be creative and you were getting uh, positive feedback or whatever it is that all kind of came together like ingredients in a, in a recipe. And then that's what makes it uh, so motivating and, and fun for you to do. I love the analogy of, you know, going back and figuring when were you the most motivated working on something and looking deeper at it and going, what, you know, what was going on there? What was the ingredients? What was the motivation? What was the driving force on it? And when you can connect those, you start looking for some themes. And if you start looking back at a few things and you see, okay, these were common ingredients, all of those situations, if you can replicate those things and introduce those into your routines, then when you're getting ready to write that chapter or write that blog post or you know, the emails and uh, you know, I get your emails too. And, you know, great content on there, by the way, and I'll definitely have that in the show notes as well for, for people to, to check out. But I think it, what it boils down to is you want to set yourself up for success. And in order to do that, you want to have everything ready to go. Just like if you're going to be making a meal, you want to have all the ingredients there because you don't want to start and you, you put things in the frying pan and you realize, wait, I'm missing half the ingredients. Now, if you, you know, live with someone, you can always send them to the store and get those things and hope they know where they are. But if it's just yourself, then you're going, hmm, now what? What am I going to do here? And you can improvise, but improvising and meal prep and improvising and working on your book or 
other creative aspects. Uh, you don't want to be an improv unless you're stand-up comic, then improv is probably the way to go. Yeah. And what, what you're saying there that uh, jumps out to me is the importance of having procedures. And if you're going, if you're going to keep on this cooking analogy, it's, it's having a recipe, right? It's having the recipe, looking at it, saying, do I have all the ingredients? What am I going to, what am I going to do step by step? And for, uh, for myself and again, other creatives that I've worked with, I noticed the pattern uh, is like very much a fly by my seat of the pants, uh, kind of just wing it, uh, rely on intuition and things like that, which is great up to a point. And then it can become actually detrimental. So what I found is I had a, for a long time, almost some sort of resistance to standard operating procedures or, or creating them in my in my business and creating checklists. And it just seemed like, ah, that just, that's a pain. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'll just, you know, keep doing it um, how I know how to do. But once I started creating checklists for myself, and even if I'm going to, let's go back to writing an email, if I'm going to write an email, okay, what are kind of like five or seven different themes that I can choose from for an email? And all of a sudden it's like, I notice I already have patterns. We all have our own patterns, whether we're aware of it or not. So once I just started to take what I was unconsciously competent at and start to write it down and create checklists and processes and cheat sheets and things for myself. Then all of a sudden I became much more productive because I wasn't spending that time sitting there going, what am I going to do? What, how am I going to start this out? What do I want to work on? And, and maybe get halfway through it and get kind of you know stuck, which you know could still happen on occasion, but it was greatly reduced by having uh, go-to processes and procedures. And so one of the things I like, this is a big reason why I, I love coaching is it's to get myself organized. Right? Like if I can't, if I don't know what I'm doing, I can't transfer it to someone else. I can't teach it to someone else. So I was actually working with a, a writer and she, she's a fiction writer and I mostly work with nonfiction and, and experts and stuff, but she, as a fiction writer, I was, she wanted to increase her, her productivity in the form of producing more words per hour. So one of the tasks I gave her was to actually look at what her process is. Like, how do you map out a scene? How do you go from point A to point B from the beginning of the scene to the end? How do you determine what the conflict is going to be? All this sort of stuff. And she's like, I, I have no idea how I do what I do. Right. You know, and that's the case for most people who are really good at what you do. It's that's why it's called unconscious competence. So to actually have her start to look at her process and systemize it as if she's going to teach someone else. Now, here's the thing. She mentioned, yes, it would be great if she could teach a ghostwriter how to do what she does. And you know, that would also help her productivity to, to offload it. I mean, that's a little further down the road. I'm saying even for her own sake, it's going to help her to understand what do you, what do you unconsciously do? and create a process out of it, even if it's like a seven point checklist or a 10 point checklist of what every scene and your, uh, your novels need to include and so on and so forth. And that's going to make her more efficient. It's going to help her if she ever gets stuck in and kind of hemming and hawing about what to do. Her brain already has a process for it. Now it's just taking it from inside her head onto some sort of external document, if you will. So this is something I'd invite uh, anyone to do. And I'm speaking from my own <laughs> resistance to doing it. And at times, and then seeing the benefit of doing it is to actually systemize your processes, create templates, checklists, and so on and so forth, uh, which can uh, really speak, even if you're good at it, uh, it actually 
still speeds up the process, uh, which amazes me how like I can do something over and over and over again every single day and feel like I'm really quick at it. And yet when I use a checklist, I just, I'm still quicker and I have less stress because I'm not sitting there going, am I forgetting something? Wait, did I, okay, so does this have, does this email have everything I need or is this blog post or I'm about to get on a call with this person? Okay, am I going to ask them? Let me make sure I got all the questions I need to ask. Like all that little mental stress goes away when you've taken it from in your head and put it onto something external. Yeah, I'm a big checklist fan and, and standard operating procedures. Yeah, I go into organizations and nine out of 10 don't have them. You know, they've got their thought leaders that have been with the organization for a long time and they know everything, but everything is in between their ears. Even them, the, in you, the example you gave with yourself, they found efficiencies. And like, wait a minute, this is actually happening faster now. And they, they thanked me and they said, we wish we would have brought you on before to help us streamline those things. And even in the healthcare sector, I worked in healthcare for over a decade. You know, they implemented rules where surgeons had to follow a checklist, even though you know they performed these procedures thousands of times, they had to start following checklists. So if the wrong knee or work on the wrong leg or something like that. So um it definitely makes definitely makes for some interesting things. So if there was one piece of advice you'd give somebody regarding productivity, and of all the things we've talked about, I think everything would be beneficial. But what's the common thing you see with people when you're working with them on the productivity side of things? Well, if I could if I could only give one productivity tip, it would be what I call a three magic words type. It's like the thing where if I'm on my deathbed and only one idea from my whole life came out to share with the world, it would, it'd be this. And it comes from the first researcher. I remember hearing talk about this was BJ Fogg of Stanford. And he talks about this concept of tiny habits. So it's a micro commitment. And I'll explain what that means in a moment. I'll start with the three magic words. Three magic words are, can I just, and what you do is right after you set up this question, you insert, it's called a micro commitment. And the micro commitment, as you might expect, micro means it's small, but it's, it's not just small. It's like, it's absurdly easy to do, meaning it, it should almost be embarrassing to not do it. So I'll give an example with background and fitness, like someone wants to, to work out. And Steven Geis uh, gives a great example. He, he authored the book, Many Habits, which is a great book. And he talks about he was procrastinating and resisting doing a workout. And at some point, he just decided to do one push up. And now imagine if you get down and you do one push up, like, great, that's it. Like, that's pretty easy. It's going to take me five, 10 seconds maybe to do. But if you're down there and you're, you do one push up, it's kind of like, well, I might as well do you know, a couple more. And so you do a couple more. The next thing you know, well, I might as well finish the set. And then I can quit right? So you finish the set. Well, now all of a sudden you got blood flowing. And if you've ever had this experience where uh, even though I like exercise, I'm kind of weird and that I, I enjoy like weightlifting and, and different exercise, even I still sometimes go, ah, I'd rather just kind of sit here and watch Netflix. I don't, I don't feel like doing a workout. But if I, I know if I get going and if you've ever just like gotten started with something, then it's exponentially easier to keep going. It's actually sometimes harder to stop going because you're now in momentum. And I say momentum generates motivation. So the key, the secret is to just get the get started by finding the smallest, simplest thing that you can do. And this works on multiple levels. So 
I give another example. If I want to clean my apartment, I tend to uh, resist like cleaning my desk or whatever. All I know I have to do is go, can I just clean like half of my desk off? And mentally I go, how long is that going to take? 30 seconds. Okay, come on, I can do that. Right. And I do it. But now I, I have a little dopamine hit. I'm feeling good because I like I'm accomplishing something. I'm seeing my desk cleaner. I go, oh, this is kind of nice. Well, I'm, I mean, I might as well clean off the other half of my desk. And the next thing you know, five minutes later, I'm moving into the kitchen. You know, 20 minutes later, I'm, I'm on a full on cleaning spree because I've gotten into it. But if I would have told myself, hey, Derek, can you stop what you're doing and clean your whole apartment right now? I probably would have said no. But if I say, okay, can I just clean half my desk? Can I just take 30 seconds? Can I just do 30 seconds of meditation? Can you just do, uh, read one page of a book? Can you just, if you're writing something, come up with the first sentence and then you can quit, right? If you give yourself these little targets to get going, now all of a sudden you get into action. There's no big uh, worry about like fear. Uh, it's a great way to bypass uh, fear. And I'll, I'll just give another example here. If, if like, for me, I was a hardcore introvert, still am. I'm more okay talking to people uh, now, like in, in person, but you know, growing up, I was, I was more shy. So for me, it's like, can I just make eye contact with this person? Can I just smile? Can I just go up and shake their hand and say, nice to meet you? Like, can I just find the smallest thing that's, that you will stretch yourself, but not completely break you out of your comfort zone, just stretch you a little bit. And then that's it. And then what happens is you get more comfortable with that. And then can I just do a little more? Can I just do a little more. And over time, you start to create, you build these wins for yourself. And so you're constantly winning, you're constantly successful, and the success breeds success. And I'll make another point about this. Uh, a big issue is perfectionism. So Tim Ferriss talks about uh, the idea of, I think his, his goal was two crappy pages a day. So two pages is relatively small for a writer. But the more important part, part about that was he had no quality standards. And it might seem counterintuitive if you're a high performer, as I imagine many people listening to this are, like you're a high performer, you want to do well. Well, actually, by setting the bar lower, you give yourself permission to just get started. It's okay if it's crappy, and then you can always make it better and improve as you go. And what I find is, going back to a fitness analogy, think about setting a bar low, imagine you're pole vaulting, right? Like, if you're just, if you just woke up and you haven't warmed up and then you go, okay, I'm going to set the bar at the highest level I've, I've ever attempted to do it at, you might set yourself up for, for injury, but you start by warming yourself up. You're going to go bench press or do squats. You start with a lightweight, you get the blood flowing. So it's the same thing with your task. Set the bar low, let yourself have a warm up, And once the creative juices are flowing or the, you know, the, the juices of you just like getting into action and getting in motion. Now, then you can gradually ramp up over time. And it's a much easier way to work with yourself uh, rather than trying to force yourself to do, do something. You give yourself permission to just allow yourself to get started and see where it goes from there. I love that because like you said, it's, it's like, I, I got to clean the corner of my desk and you do it and you're like, your muscle memory is going, why are you stopping? It's like, it's absurd. It's okay. One push up or just even, you know, walking to okay, go and walk, you know, instead of around the block, just walk to the corner. Well, you get there and you're like, come on, you know, I gotta do a little bit more. And it's that little extra that gets you to get in the habit. And you're like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought. And I think that ultimately boils down to what a lot of people think is saying, oh, this is going to be so bad. And when they actually do it, they go, you know what? That wasn't bad. And I can continue. 
and it's just reminding yourself and coaching yourself, no, it's, it's going to be okay. You can do this and, you know, take it at a pace that you're comfortable with. But, you know, it's like if you, you know, live in a, you know, 5,000 square foot house, then yeah, you're not going to clean that in two minutes. I get it. But if you start off small, and just routinely do it, then you'll get in the habit and the momentum will be there and you'll be motivated to do it. Uh, oftentimes too, with people, I, I, I tell them, well, gamify it if you need to, you know, give yourself some type of a reward for doing that. And you're like, okay, yeah, I really want to go to the coffee shop and get this, or I'm, I'm going to you know, buy that new whatever. And it's like, well, you know, gamify it, you know, get it done. If you, you finish these things that have been hanging over your head for a while, you get those done, then reward yourself. So it, it starts helping them get, you know, used to doing things since like, it's not too bad. They push through it. And I think that's the biggest tip that, you know, we can give people is just encourage them to just push through it as best they can. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that point about gamifying it because that, that ties into the final piece is after doing it, having some sort of reward for yourself. And that could be, it could be a, an actual thing that you get to, to do, you know, maybe a for me, sometimes I'm like, you know, I want to watch a show on Netflix or I want to surf Facebook or whatever. And so I can combine it with a can I just like, it's not a no or it's not, oh, I can't do that. It's okay. Yes, I can. Can I just first write a page here? Can I first do this little task? Can I first record this video? Can I first, you know, do this, uh, this micro commitment uh, and get that thing done? And then now all of a sudden I, it feels like a reward and like a treat for myself to do the other thing. And also a reward, it can even just be a self-acknowledgement, like nice job, like, you know, just tell yourself, wow, oh, great work, you know, great job getting that done. And that's really key, especially when it comes to micro commitments is if I go, okay, well, can I just do 30 seconds of meditation and I do it and I go, yeah, but I mean, whatever, I, you know, some people do like an hour of meditation and this is, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. And like, so some people like they'll beat themselves up when really the key is to actually acknowledge yourself for every little bit that you do, because when you acknowledge yourself for that little bit, that's what motivates you to want to do more and more and more. Uh, so, I mean, there, there could be some exceptions to that, but in general, if a person's having uh, difficulty getting going with something, the key is to actually reward themselves and praise themselves for what little bit they do and allow it to keep going. And, and there's a leadership lesson there too, even when working with uh, a, you know, a manager with an employee, right? Find the things that the employee is doing well and praise them for that if you want to get more of it as opposed to only just criticizing them for what they're not doing well. Look for the opportunities to praise them and find the things that you want them to do more of. It's the same thing with self-leadership. Find the things that you're doing well or get yourself to do a small little action that gets you in the right direction. Acknowledge yourself for that and then build from there. Gold level advice for sure. Derek, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. And you can find me, uh, my, my main website's DerekDepker.com, which is a little strange to spell, so you can find it in the show notes, but it's D-E-R-E-K-D-O-E-P-K-E-R.com. Uh, you can also find uh, my, my fitness and my productivity and health books and whatnot at ExcuseProof.com. Com, as well as on Amazon. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. 
If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.